listening to 99% Chance of Wine and Murder. <laughs> Welcome to episode four. This is crazy, right? I mean, I can't believe we're already on episode four. I know. So many murders to talk about. I feel like we just started. I know. It does feel like that. But I feel like we're uh, doing our thing now and yeah, getting excited. I just, I also wanted to talk about um, a couple of Netflix shows slash movies that we've seen lately yes that we are obsessed with yes um so the first one if you i don't know if everybody knows about this it's called july 22nd mm-hmm. and it's a movie that they just put on netflix and it has to do with the 2011 massacre in uh norway and it's about the bombing of the parliament buildings and then that man who went to that summer camp and shot all those kids so it's kind of about that and about the aftermath of it and it's it's amazing. It's insane. It was really well done. Really well done. Um, and the guy is so... The guy who plays the murderer is just so creepy. sadistic and creepy. And it's, Yeah. He, know. like, literally looks like he could be a murderer. Oh, yeah. 100%. They picked the perfect person. Yeah. Role. The other one oh that God. Dom and I got way no. into is a new series, um, The Haunting of Pill House. So good. Oh, we both binged it last weekend. We watched the first three episodes together. And then we got too tired. <laughs> and then we both binged the rest. Yeah. yeah. Finished within two days. Great. Amazing show. Creepy then, as fuck. But so creepy. So good. So good. It was so well done. Like, I've, I've never been so scared, but also liked the storyline so yeah. much all in one time. Like, it was like, like I'm either, like, scared amazing. or, like, the story. Like, it's never both for me. Yeah. Like, and now I'm scared because I'm like, are they even going to make a second season? <laughs> I'm like, I hope they do, but they ended that one so well. Yeah, it would like, have to be, like, a different story, but they should, whoever made this should continue because yeah. they're amazing at it. And the actors were phenomenal. Phenomenal. You yeah. have to watch it. We're very passionate about this show. It was so good. <laughs> okay. Are we going to get into the murders? Sure. All right. I think so. it's your turn, Dom. Uh, I think so, I guess. Um, I'm sticking with my Halloween theme. Uh, for episode four, I have the Candyman. Uh, Halloween, the one time a year where ghosts and ghouls are brought to reality with fun costumes and makeup. The anticipation of excited kidlets rings in the air as they wait to the, for their end of the night haul. But for some, Halloween is a time they can take off their masks of normality and release the beast inside. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Freaky creeps out there. <laughs> yeah, there are. So my story this week brings to life every parent's fear of tainted candy and danger. And I'm sorry to read this to you oh, right before shit, Halloween, Jen. I don't know why you're reading this to me. Okay, the end, like, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> I put some stats in here, okay? Okay, great. So, let's take a look back in time to Deer Park, Texas, in the good old U.S. of A. Well, not with Trump in there, but... You know. You know. (laughs) Before that. One Halloween night, October 31st, 1974 in particular, little Timothy and Elizabeth O'Brien went trick-or-treating with some of their friends in a small neighborhood in Pasadena, Texas. While the kids trick-or-treated, they encountered the house. They rang the doorbell, knocked on the door, and after waiting some time, they decided to move on to the next house. However, Ronald O'Brien, the children's father, lagged behind and slowly caught up with the children at a later house. He excitedly produced five pixie sticks for the children that had supposedly come from the previous house. 
let's just recall they did not answer their door. After they finished, they went home and got ready for bed. Little Timothy asked his father for some candy before bed and picked the pixie stick that was in the bag. Ronald helped Timothy get the powder out of the straw and let him enjoy his candy. However, Timothy began to complain about the taste being bitter and not right. His evil father then gave him some Kool-Aid to wash down the taste and laid in wait. Poor Timothy began feeling what? very ill. Oh, I know. The fuck? I know. He began feeling very ill and went to the bathroom where he began to violently throw up and convulse in his father's arms until he passed out. He later died within an hour's time on the way to the hospital. This wreaked havoc on the town and the surrounding cities. All parents were in fright of what would happen to their children if they consumed any of their candies. Many families turned in their hall to the police, where of course, nothing was found. Quickly they retrieved the other pixie sticks that had been handed out to Elizabeth, the sister, their two neighbors' children, and a boy from their local church. Thankfully, none of the other children had consumed the deadly powder. While O'Brien thought he had outsmarted the police with his story of the unanswered house, the police had now found a lethal dose of cyanide in Timothy's screening report. Wow. I know. It's so sad. Each pixie stick had been cut open and refilled with the deadly poison, some enough to kill multiple adults in one tube. So, could you imagine, like, something so little, how sick that must have made him? Like, Mm. makes me so sad. Breaks my heart. In In questioning Ronald, police became suspicious when he would not tell them which house he got the pixie sticks from, claiming he could not remember. Like, I'm pretty sure... If your kids died from pixie sticks, you would suddenly be able to recall who gave you the fucking pixie sticks. Uh, fuck yeah, you would. Yeah. (laughs) He walked the police around the neighborhood and claimed that the occupants of the house cracked his door open, and all he could see was this hairy arm, after the kids had left, and handed him five pixie sticks to give to his children. Courtney Melvin, the owner of the home, was questioned and denied being at home during the time of trick-or-treating and that he had arrived home after work around 11 p.m. that night. Okay, but even if, like, this person opened, stuck their arm out, and had to do five pixie sticks, why would you give that to your kids anyways? Well, yeah, you'd be like, why? Like, how do you even know how many kids I have here with me? Like, you didn't answer your door. Like, <laughs> yeah, also, like, that's fucking creepy. Like, Weird as fuck. Yeah. Besides. What a story. This yeah, an idiot. He's... Oh, it gets better. <laughs> the cops questioned over 200 people about Melvin's supposed whereabouts, and when around 200 of them confirmed the suspicion, confirmed where he was that night, suspicions were dropped and shade was casted back onto Ronald O'Brien. They found many things about Ronald, including the immense amount of debt that he was sinking in, over $100,000 to be more specific. Perfect. He had multiple jobs in the past, more than 21 in a 10-year time frame, and many bills piling up around him. Mm -hmm. With a little more digging, it was found that he had put a life insurance policy on both of his children in the months before. One for $10,000 for each child, then upping it for an additional $20,000 per each child. Holy shit. And then yet again, another $20,000 against the recommendation of the insurance company itself. Like, is this guy an idiot? Yeah, so in total he had $60,000 
in life insurance policies you know on that's children. what police look at right bro like yeah i mean you weren't getting away with this oh just you wait <laughs> things were beginning to look fairly suspicious at this point if you ask me with the total of $60,000 in policies on his children and the fact that he had recently visited a poison store oh my God. not long before the police were becoming positive they had their guy. And if things weren't looking bad enough for him already, it was found that not even 24 hours after Timothy had passed away, his father had already called the insurance company to inquire about taking out the policy. Right, because that's what you do when your kid dies. Yeah, I mean that's what you'd be worried about yeah so he was repeatedly questioned by local authorities and completely denied all involvement and since there was no record of him actually buying the cyanide himself because he found out they only sold it in five pound increments it seemed like he might just get away with the crime news came on november 5th 1974 that Ronald O'Brien had finally been arrested and indicted on a capital murder charge and four counts of attempted murder for the other four children he had shamelessly tried to kill to cover up his heinous act. He quickly adopted the nickname The Candyman or The Man Who Killed Halloween through social media and the horrified public around him. So what happened to the infamous Candyman, you ask? <laughs> I, I do want to know. <laughs> On June 23rd, 1975, that was the day his sentencing took place. With only a 46-minute deliberation by the jury, he was found guilty of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. He was sentenced to the death penalty for his heinous actions of such innocent individuals. His wife, Diane O'Brien, denied any involvement or awareness of what her husband had done and was cleared of any participation in the act as well as filed for a divorce not long after his conviction. She later remarried a nice man who adopted their remaining daughter, Elizabeth, which I thought was pretty nice. How fucked would you be after that, though? I, I would probably kill my husband, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, if I, I would fucking do that, too. So, O'Brien remained on death row at the Huntsville unit in Huntsville, Texas, where he lived out his life, being shunned and remained completely alone when other death row inmates became aware of his crimes. Good. He sat on death row for 10 years after he was convicted until finally the day came for him to be put to death, which I was actually, like, surprised with because generally it takes, like, it does take 20, 30, 40 does. years. So yeah. I was like, 10 that's years? Good. That's not bad at all. Good. March 31st, 1984, just a little after midnight, O'Brien was administered a lethal injection that put him to sleep forever. His final words were... I forgive all, and I do mean all, those who have been involved in my death. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. He maintained his innocence until his very last breath. I wish everyone could see my face right now, because I'm <laughs> disgusted. Jen, Jen is shocked. Gross. The death of O'Brien attracted over 300 oh. individuals outside the prison who laid in wait. Some protesting the death penalty while others yelled out trick-or-treat and showered the anti-death penalty protesters with candy. Over the years, many stories have been released, this is to make you feel better, Jen, <laughs> with reports of poison Halloween candy, yeah. razor blades, and other dangerous items found in can candy by angry parents. However, to this day, in both the U.S. and Canada, no actual proof or documented cases have been reported by police of this being an actual thing to be feared. Yeah, I think, I mean, I th like this guy, obviously, he didn't go out with the intention 
to murder other kids, just his own. But, um... Well, I mean, besides so. the four, the three others as well, right? Yeah. But, I mean, my parents always went through my Halloween candy. So did Before fine. I was able to have any of it. Like, anything that was, like, homemade or, like, yeah. opened, they threw in the garbage. Which I do as well. Like, yeah, for sure. My kids are starting to get into the trick-or-treating fun. And, uh, yeah. My parents were always super concerned about, like objects in my candy oh yeah like, like razor it's blades good like and... every parent should definitely check their kids like it would before their kids like dive in and start eating all of yeah 100 percent. i mean halloween's mostly for the parents though am i right like i mostly eat all of the halloween candy. i eat all the Reese's pieces of my brothers not gonna lie yeah but my kids are so little so they won't remember right Maybe that's true all their candy and you could always like i give them i give them some yeah which is fair yeah <laughs> Like, you well, should get more. You deal with a lot of shit. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, literal shit. Literally. That's crazy. That's I a know. crazy story. What a fucked up piece of shit. I know. So, Jen, I think it's your turn to tell your story now. It is my turn. And you know what? I, I did say this last week, and I said I was going to do Carla Harm- Holmark. I can't say your name ever. Homoka. Homoka. Yeah. And Paul Bernardo. No. Yeah, because because this week Paul was just denied parole. I know. Let's Thank talk for that. Fuck. Um, I apparently like at the trial or like at this parole hearing, um, he was like, you know, like I felt entitled that I needed to do I these things that. back then. But now I don't feel entitled anymore. I thought that was a really strange thing to a say. A strange thing to say. I agree. Like, what because the I fuck was like, makes you feel entitled to kill somebody? To just rape a bunch of women, kill people, videotape it. I'm really... I was watching that case, like, no, tomorrow. I'm like, is he gonna get denied? Like, I was pretty sure he was well, gonna get denied. Well, and the judge denied, came but... back and was like, yeah, you're definitely likely to reoffend. Like, I'm denying this parole. You can reapply in two years. But, like, someone who's like, I don't feel entitled to kill people again. That, like, that's that a sounds weird so way bad. Of say- that's a super weird way of saying it. And he shouldn't even be allowed to reapply for parole because he just keeps dragging all those families through that shit. Because every single time, the families that have, like, they don't have to, I don't know how it works but I mean I know that they attend the trial and that just reopens all the wounds for Mm -hmm. them and then they have to hear over and over again what that person went through and all the heinous shit he did well and I apparently one of the moms did like a she spoke again at this parole hearing she's like you know this reopened it it for me and you know like I I haven't moved on like I'm not healed by this yeah she said like time does not heal yeah yeah Yeah. and yeah I mean he he needs to just die in prison. Like, he should yeah. never be out. I mean, this is one person who should be sentenced to the death penalty if Canada was to ever yeah. do it. Yeah. I agree. Okay, so let's tell the story for those of you who aren't super familiar with the Scarborough Rapist. That's what he was referred to as. Um, okay, so let's dive back to the beginning. So Carla was born on May 4th, 1970. Um, she was the oldest of three, so she was pretty smart, popular, like, all of her family and friends adored her. She also loved animals, which, you know, we I talked mean, about is yeah. in a sign, right? And yeah. Like, so when she worked at a vet clinic, and, you know, everything about her seemed normal, like, no one ever suspected mm-hmm. her of being so sadistic. Right. 
So when she was 17 years old, she went to a pet convention in Toronto, and that's when she met Paul, who was 23 at the time. Ugh. 17, 23. Like, what is with these relationships? Yeah, I saw a bunch of pictures of him, like, actually that uh, Canadian true crime mm-hmm. had posted about him, like, with the kittens and stuff. I was like, oh my god, those poor kittens. Yeah, this guy's a fucking killer. Move away from him, kitten. Yeah, no, like, no. just you come live with don't me. Don't cuddle him. Um, so I guess apparently they had sex on the on that day that they met, and then um, they soon realized that they both shared, like, weird, sadistic, like, sexual desires. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you ask someone about that. No. You know what I mean? Especially, like, like, hey, do you want to rape people? Like, you know what I mean? Ugh, how, I just got chills. <laughs> like, how does that come up? Yeah. Anyways. So, and then soon they decided that Paul was going to be kind of like the master and mm-hmm. Carlo was going to be like the slave mm-hmm. in their relationship. Interesting. So I guess kind of like Fifty Shades, but in like a serial killer way. You know what so I mean? So not as cool. As no, not shows. as cool. Definitely not. But Paul hated the fact that Carlo was not a virgin when she met him because, you know, psycho. Um, so... She knew that he was super attracted to her 15-year-old sister, which is really fucking fucked up. Um, So they decided together that they were going to force her, you know, to be a surrogate virgin for Carla. Oh my gosh. So apparently to accomplish this, Carla stole some um, halothane from the vet clinic that she worked at. So at a Christmas gathering that they had at Carla's house with her family... Uh, they were serving her sister alcoholic drinks, like kind of like, ha, 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 don't tell mom, like, yeah. here's your drink. Um, and then, <clears throat> so they, they had put some, they had like, put spiked it, it, they had spiked it with some stuff. So once everybody went to bed, they took Tammy to the basement, um, and, and uh, Carla had a cloth soaked with this liquid on it, put it over her mouth, so it's kind of like chloroform in a way, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and uh, so she passed out. So then when she was unconscious, they raped her. That's so sad. So during the rape, Tammy began choking on her own vomit and she like, she died from that. That's how she died. How can you be so fucking heartless? Like your own sister. It's your own sister. Like, Like, I, I don't understand. And then, so I guess they, they didn't find any drugs in her system. Like they went undetected. What? So initially they ruled her death accidental. Oh my god. Yeah. So, you know, after you do that to your sister, you should be like, you know, I'm going to move in with my boyfriend now. Or, you know, like, wow, my sister's dead. I should get the fuck away from this guy. Yeah. So uh, the next thing they did together was move in. Um, And then I guess Paul blamed Carla for Tammy's death. And he was, like, super sad that he didn't have, like, her to rape anymore. Because he's so fucked. And so she decided, she had this uh, girl that she knew who was, who was young, um, and she, like, idolized Carla. And Carla used, and she knew she was a virgin. Mm-hmm. So Carla was like, you know what, I'm going to use her as a gift to Paul. A gift. A gift. You can gift a person now. Apparently you can. So she invited her out to dinner, so this girl, Jane, was like, yeah, that's great, like, because she loved Carla. Yeah. She thought she was amazing. So obviously she spiked the girl's drink and then invited her back to their house after. So I guess, and then when they got there, she did the same thing. She put a, like this, you know, um, halothane on a cloth 
put it over her face, made her unconscious. So they brutally attacked her and raped her, and then they started videotaping it. Um, so the the next day, Jane woke up and was sick and sore, but like had literally no idea oh, so what she happened to her. So she was one of the only ones who, I mean, not that she's lucky because she was brutally yeah. raped, but like she survived. Yeah. But she didn't know at the time. Oh my gosh. I mean, because yeah, because she was drugged and whatever. She didn't know what happened to her. So then. After that, Paul decided that he really liked having Carla there, and mm-hmm. he thought that it was amazing having her see like what he was him doing. rape these women and videotape it. So on June 15, 1991, they kidnapped Leslie Mahaffey and uh, brought her to their home. So they repeatedly raped her over several days, oh and they God. videotaped all of it. That's so cruel. Eventually, they, they decided to kill her, and so they... They then, logically, cut her body into pieces. Oh my god. Encased the pieces in cement and then threw them into a lake. I mean, sounds really stupid to yeah. me. Uh, so on June 29th, a couple that was canoeing, canoeing sorry, on that lake found a her piece of remains. Oh. Also on June 29th, another fun day... They married. They got married, Paul and Carl. Oh, really? Oh, isn't that so sweet? That's so weird. So great. Um, So apparently the wedding was just, like, super elaborate. It was at Niagara-on-the-Lake. They got married in a church because, you know, stand-up people. Yeah. They deserve to be in the place of God. Yeah. So I guess he he controlled the wedding plans, so he made them ride in, like, a horse-drawn carriage and, like, made her have this huge dress huge like elaborate dress uh the guests were served a lavish sit-down meal and the couple exchanged vows um which included him making carla say that she would love on her own and obey him for the rest of her (laughs) lives (laughs) obey Uh, him so then they apparently took a break and on uh april 16th 1992 uh they kidnapped 15 year old Kristen french from a church parking lot because carla had lured her to the car saying Mm -hmm. that she was looking for directions okay so uh they brought this girl to their home and for several days they videotaped her as they were like sexually abusing her raping her humiliating her but she fought hard like this girl like was trying to live oh so she was like awake during all of it yep uh, so it, I don't think that, I don't think they drugged her. They just wow. made her suffer, suffer through all of it. Um, but right before the, right before Carla and Paul left for Easter Sunday dinner with her family, they decided to kill her, to kill Kristen. So then her body was found on April 30th in a ditch in Burlington, Ontario. Oh my God. Yeah. So in January then of 1993, um, I guess Carla left Paul because he was now physically abusing her. Well, no shit. We he's all saw a, that coming. He's a psycho. Also, you're a psycho as well, Carla. But that you would even go around. So like, she ended up in the hospital at one point because of how vicious his attacks were getting on her. And so she decided to move in with her sister's friend who was a police officer. <clears throat> so at that point, though, evidence was like, um, you know evidence against the Scarborough rapist was building. Mm-hmm. And so witnesses were coming forward. There was a composite drawing out for him. Um, so, and then a work associate of Paul actually contact, 
con- sorry, contacted the police because they're like, that sketch looks like Paul. Holy. Right? That's So shitty. then they brought Paul in and they, for questioning and stuff, and they got him to, to let them take like a saliva mm-hmm. sample. Um, and eventually that proved, you but know, he that he it. was the rapist. Because, I mean, he wasn't just, like, he didn't just kidnap those girls. Like, he he would stand at bus stops, and he would grab people. Yeah. That's so scary. Yeah, so he it wasn't just, like, he was killing, like, he was just raping people all the time. But not just, like, he was, like, anally raping people. Oh. Like, women. Like, young, it was young, it was either teenagers or young women. Oh, that, like, turns my stomach. Yeah, so he was just, he was just, like, hiding at bus stops, and so when women at night got off at bus stops, he would just grab them, like, put them in an alley kind of thing, so. That's really sad. Yeah. Scary, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So then the Ontario Green Ribbon Task Force was assigned to solving the murders, um, and they brought, uh, they brought, then they brought Carla in because she was still married to Paul, right? Mm-hmm. So she was fingerprinted and questioned. And then the detectives were then interested in this like Mickey Mouse watch she was wearing. Oh, weird. Because it was the same watch that Kristen French had. One of the oh, girls that they killed. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so, so during questioning, they learned, Carla realized that they, the police knew that Paul was rapist. the rapist. So then realizing that, because she is, like, if you see pictures of her when she was arrested, she looks evil as fuck. Really? I haven't looked her up. Like, her eyes, you're like, she... I've seen Paul Bernardo, but I've never looked her up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but you gotta look, like, anybody should just look at pictures of her, like, around the time that she was arrested. Like, her eyes, it looks, like, she looks evil. Oh, It's so creepy. Um, yeah, so then, um, so then realizing, you know, they were going to be caught, she confessed to her uncle that, that Paul was the rapist and murderer, just as she tried to, like, come off, like, oh my god, like, I don't know what to do, like, I'm scared, um. Like a victim. Yeah, so she got a lawyer and then decided to start plea bargaining. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so when it, so she said that she would give a, she would testify against Paul, you know, to get a, a lighter sentence, right? Right. So, in mid-February, Paul then was arrested and charged with the rapes and murders. So, during the search of the couple's home, um, the police discovered a diary that Paul had written. And mm-hmm. he had, like, detailed, at, like, written out things of what he did during these crimes. Can I just say, like, if you're gonna commit a crime, like, don't, don't videotape don't it. Don't put it in a diary. Don't put it in a diary. Don't yeah. write a play script about it, like the story we did before. Like, it's it's stupid. Oh, it's so dumb. So dumb. Okay, so then. Okay, so then they decided with Carla, this is so stupid. I'm so mad about this. So they told her, with her participation in testifying against Paul, they would give her a 12-year sentence. And that she would be eligible for parole in three years if she applied for it. If she was in good behavior in this prison. Is she out? You just wait. You just wait. Well, I mean, do I have to worry about my life posting this podcast? You might have to. Um, (laughs) So she agreed to all the terms and then the deal was set. But then later, so later on, Paul's ex-lawyer had the videotapes of 
of all of this happening and uh-huh. gave it to police. Oh, but she had already made this deal, and so she came off to, to police and to the media and as this like abused wife forced into participating in these things and that she didn't want to do them and she was innocent and she was right. scared. But when the videotapes came out, they showed that she was just just as involved in this as Paul was. Yeah, and she liked it just as much. But. She already made this plea bargain, so she couldn't be retried for these crimes. No. No, I'm serious. So, I that mean, shouldn't be it is allowed. now referred to as, like, one of the worst plea deals in Canadian history because, like, she's so manipulative. Yeah, she should be, like, fucked right now. Like, she should have to spend just as long yeah. in prison as he does. So, then on September 1st, 1991, Paul was convicted on all counts of rape and murder and received a life sentence obviously still in prison um so at that time <laughs> it was three years after carla had gone to prison and but the parole board had denied her oh, application for parole right but then i mean canadian newspapers had published after that um pictures of her sunbathing and partying with other prisoners in prison so i don't you know of her son no if she was sunbathing like oh, oh okay yeah so she was like and apparently she had like a lesbian relationship it says with like one a convicted bank robber, so she was like having relationships with people. She was like, so she was like having. It seems like time she was like life. enjoying her time in prison. Is hmm. what she should have been put in solitary confinement. Yeah, I agree. So here's my thing. Well, on Jan or sorry, on July fourth, two thousand and five, no. Carla, no. after twelve years, was released no. from prison. Yeah. Do we know where she lives right now? Uh, so she lives in Quebec. Oh, thank God. Far enough away from me. She apparently, she has a child now. Yes, that's the right thing to do. Um, and she volunteers at a school. At a school. Do they know who she is? They have to. I mean, I think she changed her name, but like, I mean, come on. Okay, so two sides to this. You can either think, oh, poor you, battered wife syndrome, blah, 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 which I'm sure she had some of this happening. But she, at the same time, I'm pretty sure anyone is strong enough. Her sister is the thing that yeah, gets me. Yeah, anyone is strong enough to be like, no, fuck you, I'm not doing She's this. She's the one who took this, the drugs from her, the place of work that she yeah. worked at. Like, she knew. I, I don't believe it. Ugh. She knew what she was doing. She's an evil person. Um, so, and this is such, like, this is such bullshit. Like, her lawyer, her lawyer said... She is paralyzed with fear, completely panicked. When I saw her, she is in a state of terror, almost in a trance. She cannot conceive of what her life will be like outside of the prison. I don't fucking care. You're an evil person. Like, you shouldn't yeah. even be out. You manipulated police into, you know what I mean? Like, I still into giving you this plea bargain. I still don't understand, like, after new evidence is produced... Why they can't change? But I the think plea. I don't know. Like, and I, I don't know if it's if it's different, like in the states and everything like that. But um, I think that in Canada, I don't know if it's changed now. I should look into that. I really hope so. But after you give, after you make a plea bargain, like you can't, you can't be retried for these crimes. Like you just, you made that bargain. But I mean, normally it's not. Like you, they're not influenced like this. Yeah. I mean, like those videotapes came out, and she was obviously the one filming, obviously the one encouraging Paul mm-hmm. to do that. So, like, I think it's fine in certain circumstances if no new evidence is introduced. Yeah. But I think if new evidence like this is introduced, p- 
proving that that person was just as involved, then fuck yeah, there should be a retrial. Like, they should be going to jail for life. I agree. Like, she spent 12 years in jail. She killed her sister. Yeah. So, like, she obviously had... And she also had, like, restrictions when she left prison. So, she's not allowed to contact Paul, which, great. And she's not allowed to contact any of the victims. Okay. I'm pretty sure including her family. Yeah, because, like, I was just going to ask, like, do... Like, how does her family feel about her being out, you know? Because yeah, like, on one I mean, hand, it's their daughter, but on the other hand, they killed her other daughter. It's your daughter, but she killed, yeah, one of your kids. Yeah. I would, yeah. So I feel like you would probably it's a touchy hate subject. Her. Yeah. Yeah. But she's not allowed to contact any of the uh, families of the murder teens, so. Well, that's good. I'm guessing that would be her own family. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy. Like, this... That's a really, really messed up story. Yeah. And I hope that he never gets parole. Yeah, I me too. I hope that he stays in prison for He would for sure just keep raping people, like, 100%. He's probably the raped men he's in jail. describing how he would, like, how he was in... Like, again, going back to that entitled thing. What a weird way to say something. Like, if, if you're really remorseful <laughs> for the things that you did, you would be like have a heartfelt I'm like yeah I, I you would so, never say so you bad, felt like, entitled you know like I you wouldn't you but wouldn't word it that way even if you didn't feel bad most murderers are smart enough to know not to say they felt entitled to murdering another person I don't know weird dude yeah um okay well that was my murder I know a lot of people know about this already, but there are some details I, again that I didn't know. I mean, it happened. I a definitely long time didn't know ago. about their wedding. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I should say as well. Uh, tonight we're drinking two different kinds of wine. Yeah. Mom's having yep. her Moscato. <laughs> I'm having a Pinot Noir. It's delicious. And uh, yeah. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. And yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We've really enjoyed all the feedback and the great comments we've gotten in the last couple episodes. And remember, follow us. We have Twitter now, too. So follow oh, yeah. us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And send us emails with your favorite murders and your close encounters and your stalker stories. We want to hear it all. Stalker stories are crazy. They're creepy as fuck. I might not sleep after you send it to me. But still, send it to me. <laughs> still send it to us because we want to hear. So always remember, everybody, keep your wine glasses full. And don't get murdered. Bye. <laughs> Bye.